We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support from Armchair comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. I got the kit from Manscaped. They got this Lomar 2.0 that's very delicate. You don't have to worry about any nicks or snags. It's got skin-safe technology. And there's also in the kit, there's some other goodies as well, such as the crop preserver. It's a um, basically a ball deodorant, which you know pretty much you apply when you're done doing your thing. And if you go to manscaped.com, use the promo code armchair, you get 20% off your order, and you get free shipping. I mean, they got you can re, you can reorder the products. Also, with your kit, you get a body wash. That's real. That's really nice. So, guys, check it out. I mean, ladies, if you're listening. This is a uh, great holiday gift idea. Or if you know somebody that does this, it's a great gift as well. So go to manscaped.com, use the promo code armchair, and save some balls today. All right, guys, welcome into our Panther Rants podcast, or Pit Panther Rants, or other sports rants, I should say. Watt Harris, your host, brought to you by Armchair Media. Take a seat. Happy Halloween to you guys, as it's October 31st as I'm recording this. I sincerely hope that a lot of you have moved on from the um, Miami game. And I'm sure a lot of you have, because that's what we do as Pitt fans. After a disappointing loss, we find, you know, we, we move on eventually. We get pissed off. We, we're not going to go to the games anymore. We're not going to watch. We're not going to waste our Saturdays. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. Then by Wednesday, you're getting ready for the game for Saturday. And Pitt has Georgia Tech this weekend. Now, it's a um, 4 o'clock Eastern time kickoff, which is odd to me. I mean, it's 3, it's 3 p.m. Central here. Georgia Tech is 2-5, uh, and 1-3 and three in the ACC. They've been going through some a whole lot of changes this year because, well, they're um, migrating from the whole Paul Johnson era, which is you know the op, you know, which is the option game, and they're trying to go to a more traditional type of offense. Well, they're going from old school to more traditional, to like a more of a spread offense, and you know they're having their growing pains. Say the least, but th- their last game was two weeks ago. They beat Miami twenty-eight to twenty-one. You know, I watched the game itself. I mean, I you know I rewatched it on you thanks to YouTube. It seems like Miami took Georgia Tech very lightly because of how bad they are. 
And the thing about Georgia Tech is they're not somebody you can take lightly. They um, Offensively, they're not really that good, but they're fast. So you'll see a lot of runs, a lot of, a lot of misdirection from them. You know, the quarterback position, they're not really that good. You know, so Pitt pretty much defensively just has to get pressure on the quarterback. They have to stop the running game. And they got to keep the quarterback contained as well. So this is basically another type of spread, re-option type of offense Pitt defense has to face. What I think Pitt defense needs to do is keep the intensity like they've had all year. And not fall asleep on this team. Because that's what Miami did. And that's why Miami lost to them. But defensively, you know, they're not that great either. I don't know if it's because they've been on the field so much. That's a possibility. And I think it's a lot. That's pretty much a lot of it. So when when you spend your entire, you know, most of your time on the field, you're going to get run down. But they had a bye week, so who knows what we'll see. They may they may blow us up. Statistically, they're averaging 18 points a game, but their defense is allowing 30 points a game. They're allowing a 411 yards of uh, total you know, offense a game. And it seems that Georgia Tech, their biggest weakness is the running game, uh, stopping the running game. They're allowing 226 yards on the ground per game. Passing-wise, 185 yards. So Pitt, what Pitt needs to do is basically offensively get the running game going. They outrushed Miami last week, 176 to 54. And they mixed in a different, different types of backs. They had three backs that contributed. So what I'd love to see is Pitt establish the ground game here. And if you do that, you're taking the load off your, your, your passing game. And I think it's probably the, for the best because after what happened last week where lots of draw passes, interceptions, fumbles. So I would like to see our, um, our running game take us to victory. Not sure if it will happen, but we'll see. Obviously, pit on the year. They're allowing a little under 300 yards a game. As um, Georgia Tech is averaging 168 yards rushing a game, Pitt is allowing only 85 yards rushing a game. So that's obviously a big collision course because the running game is pretty much Georgia Tech's bread and butter. Because, you know, passing-wise, they're, they're only passing for 145 yards a game, and that's, very, that's pretty pathetic in, in, in terms of college football. Whereas Pitt's, you know, Pitt's averaging 254 yards passing a game, and they're allowed, you know, they're 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 averaging 170, 127 yards rushing a game. So, you know, Pitt's total offense isn't too bad. Uh, the running numbers could be a little better, but that, that just is what it is. But what's weird about this is that Pitt's offense is averaging 21 points a game, but the defense is allowing 21.4 points a game. I mean, you, you, that's kind of, that's pretty much how close you know these pick games have been. 
so it's quite obvious what I like to see. You know, for Saturday, I love to see the, the, the running game take us to victory. I think they can this time around because I don't think, you know, they looked a lot better last week. And I think if you're running against Miami, you can run against these guys. And it takes some heat off your passing game. And if anything, it allows your passing game to open up more because you're running. So we'll see what happens here. But obviously on defense, Pitt needs to um, stop the run, keep their quarterback from running, and force the pass and force turnovers. But overall, the, the defense pretty much can't take this team lightly. They can't fall asleep at the wheel because that's what happened with Miami, as, as I've reiterated a bunch of times. Now, Tech's last three games, they're averaging about 20, about tw- around 20 points a game. I mean – North Carolina, they scored 22, Duke 23, Miami 21. And that's, you know, I guess a big improvement after the Temple game where they lost 24 to 2. But, you know, Tech is going to score points, and that's why Pitt's defense needs to shut them down and go from there. But I like Pitt in this one. I think they win by at least, I'm going to say at least a touchdown or a field goal because. A lot of times this game tends to be close. Well, that, you know, Paul Johnson's gone, but still. Pitts, Pitts minus seven and a half, over and under 43. I don't know. I think this goes under. But I'm not sure if they cover the seven and a half, though. I think it'd be nice if they did. If it'd be nice if they blew out Georgia Tech. It'd be kind of like sending a statement to the rest of the conference. But, eh, we'll play it by year. Now, as we look at the rest of the ACC, we got Wake Forest, NC State. This should be an interesting game, but I think Wake will win this one. Uh, NC State's been having some growing pains as of late, and I thought they would challenge Clemson this year, and it just doesn't look like it. So, yeah, I'm going with Wake. Boston College and Syracuse, an old-school Big East matchup. Syracuse favored by three, which I find kind of odd. Over under on this game is six is fifty nine and a half. Both offenses can score. I don't know though. It's a Syracuse, but I think I like Boston College in this one. It depends on which offense shows up, but I think Boston College takes you know shows up and wins. Virginia Tech and, and Notre Dame. Virginia Tech at five and two, and Notre Dame at five and two at. 16th ranked. I, I, I've thought Notre Dame this year would be on the outside looking in or at least be in the, in the discussion for the college football playoff, but two losses changed that. Virginia Tech, they start off you know, the season, you know, obviously they had that disastrous Duke game. And now they're at 5-2. and two. They've recovered with some wins. Notre Dame favored by 18. I think I think Virginia Tech will cover this. But I think Notre Dame will win it overall. It's itself, Ben. They're going to win. Miami of Florida State. Uh, this is an interesting one because you got the disaster at Florida State with Willie Taggart, and you got Miami, who is having some issues of their own. On paper, you would think that uh, Florida State would win this one. But I think Miami pulls this one off. And if they do, Willie Taggart pretty much can say goodbye. 
Clemson facing Wofford. Easy game there. And we got a really critical matchup here. At 7.30 at night, we got Virginia at North Carolina. Both are 3-2 in the ACC. Pitt's 2-2 two two right now. But this game will be who determines who has control of the Coastal. Because Virginia's one team we have to worry about, but so is North Carolina, because we have yet to face North Carolina. And if North Carolina wins, they're gonna have, they, they take control of the Coastal. Pitt has yet to face North Carolina. And after this game in Georgia Tech, Pitt has next Saturday off, and they won't play for another week. So they'll play. And their next game is at home against North Carolina, 11-14. So this game is going to have a lot of implications. So Pitt, if they want to stay in, you know, in contention for the Coastal, they got to win Saturday. They got to win. Well, actually, it's a Thursday game for North, for North Carolina. It's a Thursday night game at 7. So they got to win that, and they got to win. They got to beat Georgia. I mean Virginia Tech, which is you know nine days later after that, and they got Boston College. They need to close out. So long story short, Pitt's gonna Pitt's gonna have to win out. They have any chance of getting into the coastal. They're gonna have to beat North Carolina head on, and they got to hope that uh, Virginia loses one more game, because I don't see really you know anybody else being much of a challenge for them after that. So. Basically, Pitt's two main worries are Virginia and North Carolina. They gotta hope Virginia drops one more game, and they gotta hope and they gotta face North Carolina head to head, and hopefully get rid of that hex. Look at the rest of the top twenty-five for this week uh, tonight. West Virginia goes to Baylor to play. Baylor is minus eighteen point favorite. I think Baylor's gonna blow them out. But it's after a bye week, so who knows? they may win and not cover. Michigan, 14th ranked face of Maryland. They should blow them out. A big, AC, a big SEC matchup, Georgia and Florida. 8th ranked Georgia faces 6th ranked Florida. Florida's been a tough team to play at home. And Georgia's been kind of iffy. I like Florida in this one. Utah and Washington. I, I mean, I was a big fan of uh, Washington earlier this year, and they've had this point season. I think Utah, you know, Utah cleans them out, and they move eight and one. That's one team I think people are slowly ignoring. They're. they're Utah is ninth ranked, but they're eight, they're seven one four one overall. And if they went out, they could be in, in discussion for the uh, playoff. But as far as these rest of these games go, a big AAC matchup: SMU and Memphis, fifteenth ranked versus SMU versus twenty four ranked Memphis. I like SMU in that one. Oregon's got USC at night. Nothing really, you know, much there. But all in all, there's a few decent games. But overall, it's a kind of a boring weekend for college football. There's not, you know, there's Florida and Georgia, but there's really not much else this weekend. Now, you know, I don't think it's going to get any better. I mean, hopefully, it's better by by the you know 
as weeks go on. But obviously, we're getting a lot of bye weeks. A lot of teams having bye weeks. So, yeah, kind of an undesirable type of um, slate there for college football. I mean, if you're a hardcore fan like me, yeah, you're going to watch it. But if you're looking for some big, big, big showings, big games, there's maybe like there's just Florida and Georgia. That's about it. And if you're an ACC guy, there's tons of big games. You got North Carolina going up against Virginia. That's a big ACC coastal matchup. And of course, if you're a Pitt fan. You love Georgia. You love the, the Georgia Tech game. Now the World Series happened last night, and it's over. Nationals won. You know, I watched the game and I wasn't um, too surprised about the outcome. The Astros got hits. They were, I mean, Scherzer wasn't at his best last night, but the Astros kept leaving runners on base. And the issues I have with the Astros is they always try to hit home runs when a, a simple base hit would do as much damage as a homer, especially if you got runners on base. Like I watched one where, you know, there was two guys on base and Jordan Alvarez flied out the center and their flagship station tweets out, Jordan just missed a three-run homer. And if you and if you looked at the, uh, the replay, he wasn't even close to the center field wall. And I'm like, you know, a single could have uh, scored some runs too. If he would just, you know, hit a single. I don't know. They, they yanked Zach Greinke after um, 80 pitches. He gave up that home run. But the thing about Greinke is they, they didn't let him battle. I mean, he gets himself in these jams, and usually he gets himself out. And this time around, they just they yanked him. And they and it was disastrous. I mean, they, they fell behind 3-2 to two because their offense – which sucked because their offense wasn't doing anything. I mean, the game was pretty much over when that when that ball hit the foul pole. That was it. The Astros had nothing you know left. I mean, for you know, for the most part, they choked. They were, I mean, they recovered, being down two games and none, to go three to two, and you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, the Astros. Overall, had a hell of a season. I mean, it could be worse. You were the Pirates. But they will always have the 2017 run. But I'm not sure. You know, the thing about the Astros is, I'm, I mean, will they ever get back to the World Series after this? I don't know. I mean, the Yankees are surging. And, you know, if they get Garrett Cole, then their chances are heightened next year to get to, get to the World Series. So, I don't know. I, I mean... I'm thinking possibly their their window's closing. And it doesn't help that your ace, Justin Verlander, loses two World Series games. But the, the thing about Verlander is without him, they don't get to the World Series. You know, he had, he didn't win a World Series game when you know in 2017, but without him, they don't get to the World Series. And it's the same thing with this with this whole thing here. Without Verlander, they don't get to the World Series. But it's just, uh, you know, for as much of the lap as they had, it's still a little disappointing. And the Osuna trade, they took a big risk. And I don't think it's, I really don't think looking looking at it now, I don't think it was worth the risk at all. I mean, the guy didn't pitch all that great last night. He was horrible. 
And, you know, for the most part, the Astros made this risk, and it was awkward. It was very awkward for the sports me in Houston talk, to talk about. And look what you get. You end up with really nothing. I mean, you trade for the guy, you get knocked out by Boston last year, and you lose in Game 7 of the World Series. And he didn't pitch all that great. So over and all, it really wasn't worth his baggage. In fact, in fact, if they won the World Series, it still it still wouldn't be worth his ba- you know dealing with his dealing with his baggage because no, nobody wants to be associated with that. None at all. But you know, if you watch the game as the game went on, you could tell the, the um, you know the more it went, it stayed at you know one nothing, two nothing. Eventually, the Nationals were going to wake up and put the game, you know, put the game away, and that's what they did. And hey, more power to them! Congrats to them. Now to close out, I guess there's a big shakeup in the uh, sports me industry. Deadspin has had a mass exodus this week, and I did some reading up on it and. Basically, what happened is, is that Deadspin got new management, and their new management brought in their people that they wanted, and basically decided to change philosophies, and they managed to clean house without without lifting a, much of a finger. Here's the thing: that's well, that's pretty much what happens anywhere you, you'll work. You know, when you get new management, they usually bring in their own people and then they find ways to clean house. And they do it in ways where they don't have to lift the fingers much. You know, they may, may, they may, 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 excuse me, I'm skipping, skipping, skipping. They may do things to make your work life environment miserable that you quit. And I've you know I've been there, I've seen I've seen it happen, where they'll you know passively aggressively do stuff to you to piss you off enough that you'll resign or fi- find another job elsewhere. And they did it here with the stick to sports type of thing. But you know I'm I'm, I'm not crazy about that. It's been never been. But I still find the um, their direction to be kind of awe because Deadspin's always been you know what they've done. So changing up kind of is puzzling to me. I think it's a, a overall a bad move. I think it's a horrible move, actually. I mean, if you're going to go with to this new direction, I hope the people you brought in because that's what's going to happen here. Is now they're getting these people to quit. They get to bring in other people that share their share what they want to do, their philosophies, and that's how. The, and like like I said before, anywhere you work, that's how it always goes. You know, I had director. I you know, one job I worked at, we had we had director. He he left, and we got a new, we got a new IT director, and the guy even said to him to me, he said. When I, you know, my organizations, I'm lucky if maybe 
2% of the original staff stays with his organization. In other words, pretty much everybody leaves. And I think for me, I happen to be one of them eventually that he would get rid of. I mean, it, it was surprising to me. I mean, basically what happened is, is um, you know, we had one, we had, we had a few higher-ups in our group leave, and he, bring, he brought his own people, and in, ter- in turn, they brought their own people. And, of course, you saw a lot of favoritism with their people. They, you know, whereas they made, you know, since you were the, the original person, you know, before, you know, you obviously were up against things. Like a lot of stuff that they, um, you know, a lot of stuff that he would complain about, he would let his people get away with that stuff. So, you know, eventually for me, I... You know, they cut my position and told me to take a position or, you know, or else. So, you know, that's just what happens in organizations. I mean, uh, and this is what happened. This is what's happening at Deadspin as well. I mean, they got new management. They brought their own people. And then they're, they're obviously finding ways to, you know, get rid of people without having to do much. And this, in this case, they want to change directions. They want to go and stick to sports and... The people there, the original people there, they don't like it, so they're leaving. So I'm curious how the future of Deadspin goes. But yeah, I still find their decision-making this is to be very odd. And and I know there's a lot of people that are taking pleasure in this whole thing of them imploding. But the thing about Deadspin is... um, that's been an elevated law of these people. A lot of these people wouldn't be where they are without Deadspin. I mean, and for some that were relevant and they fell off from relevance, Deadspin made them relevant again. So, you know, as much as they're taking pleasure in this, they're going to miss Deadspin because they're not going to have anybody to fight with anymore. I mean, it's going to be boring for them. But anyways, guys, I'm out. You guys have a good weekend. Have a safe Halloween. You know, if trick-or-treating is available today for you guys. I know there's a lot of cancellations, but be safe. Hello, Pit. Bye.